You're listening to Bits and Pieces on Sunrise Robot. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Duncan, out of Gelsenkirchen, Germany. And I'm Michael Edwards out of Columbus, Ohio. And we thrive with the support of our listeners, so please check out sunriserobot.net slash support to see some ways you can help us out. It's episode 64, the episode of reunification. <laughs> Although it kind of sounds weird hearing you say Columbus, Ohio. I got to get used to that first. Yeah, it's the first. I mean, I was in Columbus last episode with uh, our wonderful guest, Kevin. Um, but uh, I didn't use the same intro since uh, I wasn't going to have him call. I don't know. It just didn't work out. So this is the first time I'm like saying it this way in an episode. <laughs> yeah, and I'm finally back after a lot of... Uh, hassle uh yeah first uh, there was gamescom uh five days in a row and i really couldn't do anything the monday after that so um i'm really glad justin filled in uh it was a really interesting episode uh it's always like a special feeling when you know that brothers are doing the podcast yeah Um, there's there's a chemistry that's just i mean that's unique Uh, and um yeah then last last week i wanted to do the show but yeah my audio interface just broke and i i still don't have it back it's just one of these things glad i'm I'm really glad that uh it's still in the warranty time but but it's only been it's only like three more months so i hope they send me a new one instead of repairing <laughs> the old one because yeah. i feel like they're just they could be just doing the bare minimum in hopes that i'll buy a new one then but let's see it's focus right i'm gonna name the brand so if you're listening focus right <laughs> Now, but uh, so far, so far it really had like held up well. But just what, what, uh, confused me is this thing was on my desk for the last one and a half years and didn't move an inch. Like it, it was never in any rough conditions. We didn't transport it anywhere because we stopped playing shows. And it's like, how, why does it break? It, it doesn't, it, all I do with it is turn it on and off. And yeah, it, it's kind of weird, but I hope it. Get, gets back to me this week. We had a, it wasn't a focus, right? It was, I'll just say a much cheaper brand, uh, in my office, <laughs> just a little, uh, it was really more of a mixer, but we used it as a USB interface to record, uh, webinars. And one day, pretty soon after we got it, it just started smoking. <laughs> Literally <laughs> smoke was coming out of it and <laughs> quickly unplugged it and sent it back and they replaced it and, I think the new one is who cares because we don't use it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now I'm, I'm recording through one of these kind of mixes you just uh, described, <laughs> like a $30 US small mixer with just one XLR input. Because, you know, once you have like these cool microphones, you need some special equipment to feed them into a computer. And this thing has noise like hell. Like I hope this uh, in in the final episode, I try to remove the noise as good as I can. And yeah, okay, now now people will listen for it. So if it's there, people will notice. Sorry, uh, you will also now breathe and blink manually while we're at it. (laughs) So uh, I hope this holds up. yeah. And we're all going to die someday. So just <laughs> listen with that context for the rest of the yes. show. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and while I'm waiting to get my interface back, um, I made another purchase uh, recently, just before Gamescom. Uh, I bought a bass guitar and it's so much fun. What like kind? I bought it. Um, it's a Fender 
Jabez Squire. It's a Squire. I gotta say, it's not a Fender. It's not the expensive uh, ones. It's a Squire Jabez, and it's just fun. Like I, I got it the day before Gamescom, so I had like one afternoon to jam on it, and then I was sitting in Cologne, like I wanna, I wanna play the bass. I wanna play the game. <laughs> Give me my bass back. And then I only had like a few days to play it through my interface, through an amp simulator to get the full sound. And since then, I've only been playing it like dry because I don't have a bass amplifier and I'm not going to get one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, it's it's so much fun. It's so different. And, and there was a point where I was playing it for a few days and I switched to my, my guitar, my Telecaster, and it feels so small, <laughs> so tiny. Guitars are so goddamn tiny. <laughs> And you, you have your calluses all built up now? Yeah, yeah. It's not like, oh, I, I can't play my solo anymore because the frets are so small. Like this, the, the space is so tiny. It's, <laughs> yeah, I really got to change it up uh, frequently. Otherwise, you get to used to one of those. I love playing bass. I got to do that for Smoke and Honey the past couple of years. And uh, just even back when I recorded Genetic Engines, one of the funnest parts was definitely figuring out bass lines for all those songs. Yeah. I'll especially seal the deal. I love that baseline. Oh, yeah. You don't know how often I've played that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably more than you by now. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, that's one of the reasons I got it. I really wanted to add some bass lines to my tracks. Um, I found myself using the same style of bass in my in my songs more and more. And I feel like the, there's a human touch that if I add that, I, it feels more natural. And so uh, the kinds of bass lines I have, I can, like, enhance them a little bit with some more notes and i feel like i can do it better if i jam on the bass guitar and there's already one song that i've uh semi-released recently uh, in one of Lars's videos that has the bass synth and now i already know how i'm gonna deal uh, do it with the bass guitar and it's gonna be so much better once <laughs> that interface is back home <laughs> get it get it give it to me <laughs> With that, we can start with the actual content of the show today. Um, but although technically we're going to refer to something else first, because this is a music podcast, this is a music technology podcast, and iPhone did what was rumored they would be doing. Was that a correct sentence? I don't know, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> iPhones no longer have an audio jack from now on, at least the new ones. The, the iPhone 7, is it 7? It's a lightning audio yeah. jack. You it's, just can't it, charge at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> There's been so much said about this already uh, that we feel like we can just like do a very quick thing about it and then basically refer to your Flipping Tables podcast where you and Lions uh, like tore it apart. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the quick take for me is the people that are inconvenienced by it, I don't think they're wrong. And I don't really think any of their complaints, for the most part, are invalid in any way. Um, but there is a little bit of disconnect, I think, between the niche. Like, I listen to music 14 hours a day uninterrupted with, you know, this headphone set. And therefore, Apple should cater their mass market consumer phone decisions to my niche use case. Um and I'm just like, eh, you're not wrong, but you're a niche. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and basically I, I'm i of the same opinion. Um, there, there are some cases where I, I really understood where people would complain. Like I, I drive in my car and I don't have a Bluetooth radio, so I, I'm like charging it while I'm listening through the aux cable. And um, then again, I've had a Bluetooth 
capable car radio for years and it feels like come on you can get one <laughs> if, you, if you can afford a new iphone you can afford a car a cheap car stereo with bluetooth built in yeah. um it's yeah i understand i i i would miss it on my phone i like having it on my phone right now my actual my bluetooth headphones that i've been using for three years almost that i actually kind of like um I've kind of like broken the USB port on it so I can't charge them anymore. Like it won't <laughs> accept the cable. So now I have to use the the regular audio cable that came with it. Like if if the uh the battery runs out and you're on like out and about, you can always listen to it with the cable. If I now had that iPhone, I wouldn't be able to listen to it because I would have nothing. But then again, you would get the new I mean at least they they given you the ear. You get the adapter. Yeah, yeah. You get the adapter and I mean fine. <laughs> but uh, it's going to be a weird transition. Like generally the, the consensus was um, they are going in the right direction. They're doing it a little too early though. Um, uh, it, it's similar to when they ditched Flash, although Flash was already kind of on the way out because we knew there would be... Uh, well, Flash H- already uh, sucked. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, first of all, it sucked and we knew HTML5 would be better at the things Flash is trying to do. And now we're at this point where, yeah, Bluetooth might actually do a lot of stuff better technically it now uh, apart from convenience factors sometimes um uh, but yeah it's a little too early um, yeah i mean one of the interesting side you know one of the tiny little things you can put in the corner of like lightning headphones and you set aside oh they're proprietary if you own any other devices sorry none of your things are gonna work on anything else yeah why not USB-C? <laughs> seriously but um the, the, and I guess this is true of USC, USB-C, but that you can have noise-canceling headphones or other features powered by the phone, and so the headphones can still be relatively dumb. You don't need their own battery or to be charged or powered in the same way. So yeah. um, that could be cool. Yeah. Um, although one one thing I read is that, of course, now you have uh, the capabilities of saying, okay, more headphone manufacturers are going to put very good preamps into their own headphones, where before you were stuck with whatever the iPhone could deliver. If the iPhone has a bad preamp that some audio file would deem bad because <laughs> it has like a high signal-to-noise ratio, or no, a low signal-to-noise ratio, now you can say, all right, I'm going to get these headphones, which have a great preamp built-in. So the iPhone's just going to deliver the digital audio, and digital audio cannot catch noise. Yeah. That's People... always good. We're already doing that. Or I mean, audio files were already doing that. Hook, uh, one of our mutual friends, Brandon, had a portable amp he would attach to his phone and listen through. And I was like, eh, it's inconvenient. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> At least not on the go. No. Yeah. Um, um, and then the other thing, I, I'm not sure of that because I don't have, like, I never bought an iPhone in, in Europe, but I believe, uh, because of some European laws, they actually have to bundle their iPhones with a lightning to USB-C adapter or something similar because you have to deliver something with USB here when you sell a phone, which again, um, EU has its, pro- uh, <laughs> has its advantages. Um, <laughs> so nice to have that law here. Something, something Brexit. Um, yeah, like yeah, I was about late. to go into that direction, but I know we got British listeners. I don't want to rub it in. Uh, well, speaking of headphones, do people even know how to put these things in? No, <laughs> they don't. So how do you wear your earphones? 
So that I can hear the audio coming out of them comfortably. <laughs> like, how, how do you hook them up to your AI cat? I mean, I can see it now. How would you describe it? I just make sure I've got the right on the right side and then I just put it in. <laughs> well, that seems kind of difficult to some people. So right off the bat, there is apparently a different way of doing it, which depending on how the headphones are built or what shape your ears are, some people like... um They they put the cable over the ear from behind and then put the earphones in and you're trying it right now to to give some feedback on that. <laughs> and um I kinda get where people are coming from. Um Is that to like special... hold them secure or something? Yeah, like uh so so the weight of the cable isn't dragging too much on the earphones and also People are saying like the rumble that travels through the ca uh, through the cable that would then like be absorbed by your ear and like a lot of hocus pocus that I don't know if it's true because I haven't really tried it much. But I now just this know cable's that... gonna tickle my face constantly. <laughs> yeah, obviously a lot of uh, headphones or earbuds are built this way. Like you know these kind of uh, secret service agents and a lot of um, professional <laughs> like fitness um, headphones. Yeah, and ear and ear monitor things. But they also have like a little plastic thing that's actually built to like hold on tight to your ear i i guess i can understand why people would do that yeah just for the record i always also just like hook them in like you would expect to do what i've seen though on the streets is a few very weird behaviors i've seen people put them in i guess sideways where um yeah the, the part where the cables cable comes out from it's like perpendicular to the head It, yeah yeah like that uh maybe we should take you should take screenshots while you're doing that um yeah so it's like painful. sticks out to the side and then like the the speakers are then of course not facing in, in into your ear canal but like either out front or into the back it sounds of your very ear. trebly i'm getting less it's of like, the spectrum why how how would you even come up with doing it that way <laughs> Because people are sitting on the bus or the train and they're just bored and they're just like, <laughs> no, I've, I've seen people every day, like at one of my old jobs, I've seen somebody every day walk around like that. And it was not a fashion statement. That person was not into making fashion statements. So my main comment is I, I tend to dislike the, you know, the Apple earpods. I've won the genetic lottery and they happen to fit in my ear. <laughs> But I don't begrudge anyone that's like that. Those things suck. Um, but most of the ear pods that like stick into your ear, especially the ones that yeah. kind of seal, like they're like yeah. cool. Um, I don't like those very much. They, I, I just feel like I'm hearing my own breathing and vibrations <laughs> in my head, and it's like it's like hanging out with a mouth breather, but it's me. <laughs> I I used to have those. I used to have uh, them for my in-ear monitoring on stage, and um, they were very flat. Which one of the reasons I bought them is because I don't like bass-heavy headphones. Um, I usually dial it out with an EQ, but I can't always do that. So, um, and, and they had those like stick it in your ear thingies. Um, uh, one of the huge downsides for that is you really have to clean them regularly, like really clean them because these things touch things you can't see. And so <laughs> in a spiritual you, you, sense, you better do a good job. And also these are the kinds of headphones you don't want to quickly share with somebody. Hey, listen to this. And you like give them this yellow tinted <laughs> thing. 
There was one of the iPhone 7 videos where they were showing off the AirPods. Whoever was showing them off definitely had some waxy ears because it was disgusting. <laughs> and all of YouTube comments were just like, clean your ears. Oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe people are going to clean their ears using those and then just oh. dispose of them and get new ones. <laughs> High-tech Q-tips with Bluetooth. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe if everybody switches to those new earpods, we won't see that anymore. Because I don't know. (laughs) How can you otherwise wear them than how they demonstrate? Although people are very imaginative. They they will figure a way out to to make less use of them. (laughs) Well, I have an article in the the pocket for next flipping tables, I hope, about this breathless review talking about how they they are sticks that fuck your ears. And it's it's just... (laughs) It's a bunch of nonsense about like, it's just marketing genius. They're making it sexy. And it's just like, okay. <laughs> oh, I've read that article. Yes, it was horrible. <laughs> uh, Feel free to use that as a soundbite. <laughs> Moving on. I want to go see a band again. I haven't seen a band in years, it feels like. Uh, like <laughs> n- not a local band, but like one of those big bands that I follow that I buy records of and don't regularly see. But once again, they don't show up in front of my doorstep. Now I have to drive uh, to another country to see them. I'm, of course, talking about Holy Fuck. And I'm grateful they're playing in the area. This is not about Holy Fuck. This is about Ticketmaster. So I I have to drive for, for like two to three hours, which I know by American standards is nothing. <laughs> Actually, Lyons wrote me today saying, hey, I'm in London. And I said, hey, just come over. Technically, he's as far uh, away from me as the width of Colorado. So it shouldn't <laughs> be too far for him. <laughs> no. I So I have to drive there. So it, it's okay. I want to see them. Tickets are 17 euros, which is... I, I would say cheap for a band that I really want to see. Like, all right. But you go to the website and it's like handled through Ticketmaster. And the first thing that opens is a modal dialogue that says, hey, uh, so if you're going to buy the ticket, you will also have to buy a membership ticket for this venue. And it costs like three euro fifty, and it's for a month. So within that month, you can buy more tickets and don't have to pay that fee again. It's like... What? I've never, I've never, I've never had that happen. Like, I mean, I, gotta, I don't go to... first. You have to pay, and then you're allowed to pay for tickets. Yeah, basically that's it. You have to be allowed to buy tickets by paying a membership fee. Now that might be something that's special to the Netherlands. I'm not sure because I've never, I never went to to a concert in the Netherlands. There, at least in Germany, I haven't had that happen yet. Um, I kind of get where they're coming from in that maybe they can technically make the tickets cheaper that way or it's just to incentivize people to check that venue out a few more times during that month because hey i already paid the fee problem is i don't live in amsterdam i'm not just gonna drive there again for two and a half hours and be like hey let's see what other gigs are up and let me pay more for that because i actually checked that whole month and i only want to see holy fuck yeah and and yeah i know it's it's still cheap and i kind of still feel like just just put those three and a half euros in there. Like if that ticket were, would have been like 21 or 22 euros with no membership fee, like visible, this wouldn't be a topic on the show right now. It's just, um, make it a, make it really clear why, like where's the advantage and B, 
as I said, like this incentive of checking that venue out more throughout the month is just not working for people who don't live in Amsterdam. <laughs> um, I mean, do, do you get a discounts? I mean, is the discount just, hey, you don't have to pay the bridge troll again? Like, it's not like go to a second show and it'll be half price because you're a member. No, it's, it's just you are then allowed to basically enter the venue with the ticket you bought. Oh, it's more like you, you can't buy the it's tickets just without a also yo dog in the front yeah. of their entire <laughs> system. Great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, still gonna, still gonna see them. Probably still haven't <laughs> bought the tickets because I get, still gotta ask my friend if he has time that day. Uh, cause I, uh, maybe I'm still gonna go there alone by myself. Let's see. <laughs> Want to see all the fuck again. The album was great. To contrast with the Ticketmaster bullshit, uh, I just went to a festival here in Columbus this past weekend with Benji uh, called Independence Day Fest, which isn't the American holiday Independence Day. It's independence, like independent artist. Um, uh. Independence Day. Uh, just repeating, it's not going to make the spelling clear. No, not at all. <laughs> um, or ID Fest, as the hashtag goes, but... Um, I was sort of struck by how truly independent this festival did feel in a good way. Um, it was completely free to attend, which I mean, it didn't have to be. They could have charged, but um, like literally you can just walk over and get in. The parking around it was free. Like somehow that was a thing in a big city where parking is always something charged. Um, and it just felt like a, a, a great little community. It was basically they took over a couple city blocks Um and they had stages at the extreme, so the north, south, east, and west ends of the zoned-off area. And then just, like, you know, dozens of food trucks and um, tents for local graphic artists and comic book creators and crafty people and, you know, sort of all of the arts. They even had a, a building with a VR setup and indie games from local game developers. So it was just kind of a nice, like... Um, all of the different arts together. And, uh, I caught a couple performances when one of them was this, uh, this guy who goes by Archer Archer, which, uh, Benji's played some shows with. And he does some kind of animal collective y, loopy, electronic kind of stuff, but it was pretty entertaining. And, uh, I have a link to his band camp, which I'll throw in the show notes, which you can find at sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash 64. Um, it was a good time though, and I'm looking forward to pretty much going every year until they ruin it and it sucks but hopefully that never happens <laughs> <laughs> then you can be the hips and say i went to this festival when it was still good <laughs> but man sounds like a good time i gotta ask about the vr station that you were talking about was there by chance a game where you were um defending yourself against like fire blasts from a dragon in sync to some music no, there wasn't. Okay, that because that's the thing I saw at Gamescom, actually. It was very close to our booth. Um, there was, like, Gamescom this year was completely, everybody had had something with VR. Like, last year, I remember, like, uh, you had to run to get a spot somewhere to be able to play within the day uh, to play some Oculus Rift or something, and now everybody had it. But there was one booth of some indie studio um, they had a game where you basically you stood on a hill and there was a huge dragon spitting fire at you uh, in like two or three lanes and then you would like defend against that and it was all in rhythm to the song and now the music wasn't the greatest like uh, doesn't really hook you but I, I like the <laughs> idea of like doing rhythmic movements while 
while in VR and uh, especially like you have this depth perception that actually works in VR. So you know how to time things uh, in addition to, to the rhythm. That's cool. Sounds really interesting. Maybe I'll figure out what the name is and I'll also show, <laughs> throw it in the show notes. And now to, to the even more technological part of, uh, of, of the episode. Um, so I, f- I found this on Reddit of somebody who wrote a website, um, um, who made a website, um, which whole purpose was to basically crowdsource a melody. Um, it's called crowdsource songwriting or crowdsound.net. And, um, the reason I found it because they, uh, announced that, or that person announced that they were now finished with the melody. It's now done. Um, so I, unfortunately wasn't there to contribute. I didn't see how it basically was kind of a voting scheme where you would kind of enter the note and people would vote on it. And, um, oh yeah, there, there's actually, um, if you click up there, um, on popular vote, it's a link to the stats and then you can see like how many people voted for which note at which part <laughs> and, um, for the verse, chorus and conclusion. And so obviously the first thing I did was press play and listen to it. And, um, of course it's like done with just regular MIDI piano, but that's, that's not what this is about. Um, it's about the melody and the songwriting. And I really have to admit that I didn't like it. I, as much as I, I, I read the idea and I was like, Hey, that sounds really cool. Let me see what it turned out. And it was <laughs> very predictable, uh, very predictable on the one hand. And on the other hand, there was, Almost every instance of the note B in in that melody was wrong in my ears. It wasn't it wasn't this typical dissonance to to build some tension wrong. It was this note doesn't belong here wrong. <laughs> every time that like you, you can see how what what notes are coming up, and I always felt like okay, here comes the B again, and yeah, still sounds wrong. Still not the right chord for it under there. Yeah, um, I mean the. This thing just sounds generic as hell. I mean, it's like, I wonder if you could run a randomized arpeggiator a hundred times and then thrown this in the mix and then just had people vote on melodies from that like set. I don't think this would win. (laughs) No. Um, (laughs) I think it also don't think you would be able to distinguish it from the computer randomized ones because it's, it's just not good. Like, I don't know. It's just like, yeah. I feel like this is like in a seven-year-old like clicking around on a mini piano roll and this is what happened. So, and here's the thing. We now have to like um, decouple the technological aspect from um, the human aspect. Now, th- my, my critique on this melody, of course, it's not aimed at the idea and the algorithm. It basically just shows that... Um, I'm assuming that most people who who contributed to that weren't necessarily musicians, just people who kind of like found their way onto this website. Now, this might not be true, but even then, by popular vote, you seem to really build just predictable stuff that sounds really bland. Like there was no surprise in this melody. It all all kind of sounded like, huh, yeah, works, but it's nothing. And it's... I know, so I, it feels more like my, my critique is more aimed at the, yeah, the human part of it. Like, I still like the idea and maybe you can like change it up a little bit to force your, uh, your contributors into a certain direction. But then again, what's, what's the point of their contribution? Yeah. So one thing that frustrated me was, uh, that they predefined it 
maybe it's the contrast here of they predefined it to a four chord song, uh, C, G, A minor, F. But in a, you know, to be generous, that's every pop song ever. So you set yeah. yourself up well to make something catchy, even if it's derivative. Um, but then, you know, I just listened through the whole melody again and like, yeah, there's a, there's a definite pattern to it. Like it, it does look like an intentional thing was created, but yeah, that's true. It's just so like boring and maybe some <laughs> of it's down to just hearing a crappy mini website version of it <laughs> and maybe a good performance from a vocalist can sell it. But, um, yeah, I could see how that could be the next chapter of this project that people can now do their own take on this. I just hope that they fix every instance of the note B. It really yeah. doesn't work. <laughs> or you change the chord. Maybe you can add that in there and <laughs> like figure a way out, but just it doesn't work. Agreed. Yeah. And you compared it to like Twitch Place Pokemon? Yeah, it's, I mean, t negatively, like Twitch Place Pokemon <laughs> is fun because. You know, every once in a while, it kind of blows up and they're running into a wall for an hour. Yeah, you and want then... the chaos and the <laughs> law that, that, that's created from that. And there was nothing delightful like that here in this melody. It's just very like, eh, I'm just like a little like, it sounds like a nursery rhyme, kind of like music box thing going. Yeah, so I know this guy who, who used to do some um, automatically generated melody and music stuff, uh, very successfully but now he is uh, he was kind of hired by IBM to do some music in their data centers and of course I'm talking about Tim Exile <laughs> for the past few months I believe he was traveling through some of IBM's data centers and um, basically sampling stuff from there sampling stuff from the servers sampling stuff from uh, like the power sources um, there, there's a point in the video where he says um, I, I found this one computer fan that had a perfect uh like pure note that he could sample to turn into a baseline <laughs> he puts it all into his into his uh flow machine into his old flow machine 1.5 because i know he's working on a new one yes just started jamming in his typical Timexa fashion and man does it sound great like uh you can see in this video like him sampling little uh like levers and switches and just banging against stuff where i'm just hoping like I, I can see how out of frame in the video uh one of the system administrators standing like holy fuck did you just bang on our service <laughs> like checking all the hard drives but by the way i found a video and i'm going to put that in the show notes where somebody shows how just screaming really loudly at a hard drive makes it work worse <laughs> it's just like the <laughs> plants grow better when you say pleasant things to them yes kind of but the other way around <laughs> Ride, ride the data. <laughs> <laughs> that was obviously like a big promo video. I mean, IBM likes to do these kind of PR stunts. Yeah. I mean, Watson kind of, Watson is really useful for all kinds of scientific thing. But of course, the big PR stunt was putting, putting that thing on Jeopardy. Um, and this feels kind of similar, but what, then what they did also was on their website. Uh, you can also find that link on the show notes. Um, you can then like, pick from a few loops that Tim Exile made and then like mix them together yourself. Then you can, you can choose a bass, uh, not a bass, a groove, a drum groove, and then some melodies and can mix them together, send them to your friends, which of course is a good way for IBM to, to kind of, um, I mean, although if I send this to my friends, none of them have big companies that need space <laughs> on in, in IBM data centers. But then again, it's, it's, I, I love it. I, I like it when, when companies feel like, 
let's just not let's not do just another commercial. Let's do something special because there is actually a lot of effort put into this. And mm-hmm. if you're a musician, you know that you see it, and it's like, yeah. And also, it's it's um, one thing that Tim said in the video, which is for me kind of a good summation of what being an artist kind of is about. Is he said, um, I hear the same thing as everyone else does, like when he walks through those server rooms. But the thing is, he also hears the potential of what you can make out of that. And I believe that, like, I couldn't put it any better way. Like, whatever your, your form of art is, be it visual or audio art, sometimes you just hear something and you think, like, that's, that, that's, I can make out something out of that where other people mm-hmm. wouldn't be like, well, oh, that's, yeah, that's a noise. Cause that's, that's yeah, just you're so all, nice. You're always listening with this meta layer a little beyond mm-hmm. the surface level. And yeah. um, that's why artists can seem so aloof sometimes to very practical <laughs> people. Is like, why are you always on this these other levels yeah. of meaning? And, oh, oh, and somebody who does video editing just actually uh, just pays attention to the editing part of a film and doesn't really notice anything else happening there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, definitely. I mean, even just living in the same town as Benji, I've just gotten to reconnect a lot on the, the weird spirit of play between us of wordplay and like this word sounds like that. And so we're just like riffing back and forth. Like it's just dumb, but it's part of the same spirit. I think that makes us artists is that, that yeah. sense of play and meta. And it just generates ideas and it's the best way to generate ideas because you don't feel like you have to sit down and really focus on a thing and stressfully push out an idea um we we, we're back to our metaphors i'm glad we are back to our metaphors (laughs) no but you can just shoot it out just shitting ideas out on the toilet (laughs) (laughs) but yeah check check it out it's uh the, the tune he produces is great and then you can like remix it yourself uh sounds awesome i'm a sucker for this kind of stuff And in in a slightly similar vein, um, last thing before our picks of the week is uh, something called The Ghost in the MP3. Uh, We've talked about how uh, when you're listening to music on a phone that still has an audio jack, how when you like pull out the audio plug just halfway, what happens then usually is like the right and the left channel, they cancel each other out. And so you only hear the difference between them. Uh, which means the center is gone, which is mostly vocals and bass guitar and and kick and snare. And you only hear what's happening on the sides, which can sound really eerie. And um, the even higher technical level of that would be you take the the uncompressed audio file of a song and then you encode it through MP3. Um, there, are, there are a bunch of different ways to encode it through MP3. And then you do the same thing. You layer them on top of your on top of each other so whatever is the same in both of the fi- these files cancels cancels like each other out or cancels itself out and you're only left with the artifacts that mp3 actually produces and it sounds weird as hell yeah it's very much like a found sound kind of like sound artist thing sound yeah. documents and if you've ever heard somebody say uh that something sounds digital like it's it's not warm it's not not analog it sounds digital listen to this and you will know what they mean because you can actually hear those artifacts it has it has this distinctive sound where you know this is an mp3 file and if you have a badly encoded mp3 file you will hear it 
even if you don't do this whole crazy process of of uh, canceling canceling yeah. out the waveform. And they even coupled it with, um, yeah, basically doing the same thing with the music video where they also took the uncompressed video and the compressed video and that cancels, uh, cancels itself out and you get all these nice artifacts, all right, already, though they nice. They like an out, like a, a mask between them or something. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like when, uh, when you get a hiccup on YouTube and, um, so, so usually the the way video works is you have sometimes you have keyframes where the video coder actually saves the full picture, and then for a certain amount of frames, it only saves what's different between them. And if the if the playback misses one of those keyframes, you get these weird effects where it keeps trying to build the next frame out of the old frame, and it just doesn't work at you all. You see like a face coming out of a hand because yeah, the, and there's the video art- cut, but the you miss yeah. the keyframe. Some people actually do that on purpose. They have a way of like uh, manipulating these keyframes, so you get these weird morphing effects. Um, <laughs> I I don't know how to Google for those. Maybe I can find them and also put them in the show notes. Yeah, someone it's, put a good name for doing that. Yeah, it's really crazy effect. So you can find this uh, this audio and video we were talking about at theghostinthemp3.com. And with that, it's time to get into our picks of the week, Swung Groove Edition. <laughs> Who's going first? <laughs> you're going to go first because your yours just blows me away. All right. Uh, I had wondered if you would have already heard this song. And if you hadn't, I was excited for you to get to hear it for the first time. But this is a song called Light Powered by Diastro. And uh, it, I don't even need to say much. I think the song really speaks for itself. My sample I picked out starts right at the beginning because the song doesn't waste any time getting to it. And uh, I think, you know, if if you've gotten this far into bits and pieces and you generally like what we pick, you will like this song when uh, you hear it. So let's hear a little bit of Light Powered. I mean, it's just satisfying on so many levels. The, the the drum sounds are just so spiky, punchy, satisfying. But then the synth choices are they're they're cartoony and like almost goofy. Like there's this vibraphone mixed in, um, but it just works. Like it's just like a, a, a high octane playful thing somehow. You say it works. I say this is the synth patch of my dreams. <laughs> this is. So the the main synth sound kind of sounds like uh, when you have like those fake electric guitar synth patches hooked up through <laughs> like a nice digital distortion, and then when it's at the height of the melody, they add the vibraphone, which is one of my other favorite instruments to, instruments to use. This blew me away totally today, and no, I've never heard of that song before. It's just amazing. 
I I love it. This is if anybody wants to to give me a gift, this is a gift I <laughs> gladly accept into my heart, deep into my heart. But it doesn't even stop with the sound design. Um, the the, the progression. I love it when uh, you can't always do it because it, then it gets like a cliche. But when you when you end a progression on the on the if if you're in the minor scale and you end it on the fifth chord in major, like this typical. You know, you get this note right be uh, right below the tonic. You want to go back to the tonic. It's just, mm, mm, yeah. <laughs> and then it gets coupled with the with the lead melody that, in some parts, switches to like a Dorian scale where there, there's one note that's not actually in the in the typical minor scale. It's like, wow, where have you been all my life? <laughs> These are very romantic words you have for this yeah, song. <laughs> yeah, usually we're very sexual, but today I'm very romantic. It's just such a great song. I don't want to fuck this song. I want to make love to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man, I want to listen to it again now, but we still have to record this episode. So let's keep right. it short. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What was your pick of the week? My pick of the week is Sing Kane with the song New Name. I discovered this song, I have to uh, admit, um, when we were in an H&M store and they played <laughs> it on their speakers and I really liked the melody and I like, it's, it's a very, they're very tiny speakers. They don't have a lot of bass. I just was hearing the melody and I tried to use my, uh, my Google Shazam, uh, foo to, to kind of recognize the song, but it didn't work out. But luckily I remembered some of the lines and when I was at home, I, I like, I, on the way home, I was repeating them so I wouldn't forget them. And I googled it and I found the song on, on Spotify actually in the official H&M store playlist. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so now I know if I, again, hear a song like this. And it's so goddamn groovy. Yeah. And since I have a bass guitar, I've been playing that song as well on my bass. And it's just, <laughs> man, and the way they stress the triplets, let's, let's just hear it. Here it goes. This is Sincane with New Name. What I really love about this is how they make full use of, of this triplet groove where they really like to stress things that are not the one. And yeah. I usually really love it when they, when, when people do that. And, uh, even in the vocals of the verse, like it gives this, this, the verse a very floaty feeling and coupled with the groovy bass and the, it's just nice. Yeah. What do you think of the song? Well, I have to say, it seems pretty official that like brass accents and brass hits are like back in pop music. Like <laughs> they, they kind of disappeared for a couple of decades, I felt. And, uh, 
it seems like, you know, I mean, it's some, somewhere it started with M83's Midnight City just having a full-on saxophone solo and <laughs> fully embracing it. But so many songs, I feel like these days are sort of heading that. And this song has some really great saxophone stuff going on. Um, I really like the, whatever, I don't know if you'd call it a chorus, but when the song progression kind of shifts to like a, a four or six kind of part with a, uh, it's just really satisfying when it gets there. And I think it's because they have this groove going for so long and then they finally turn the song. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. here we go. <laughs> yeah, that's an- another one of those things that I really love to use. But you can overdo it so easily. It's. Uh, I think I described it before when we were talking about the cliches of post-rock. You just want to hover on the one as long as you can before you go down uh, to, to that five. And that's... Well, uh, to to the six, not to the five, to the six, and it's, I I man, I want to listen to our picks of the week again now. <laughs> Sadly, this time usually we actually like play the samples when we record. Like this is a little behind the scenes, but since I can't do it with my current setup, I'm now really uh I really have a lust to listen to them again, but I can't because <laughs> we're stuck in recording this episode. But you can find the whole songs in our Spotify playlist, um, of course. So you, you've gotten also find a link to that in our show notes. And with that, that's episode 64 of Bits and Pieces. How did we ever get this far? Uh, as always, as Matt just mentioned, we have our show notes at sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash 64. So you can see our, our picks of the week. Um, also a link straight to our Spotify playlist, which has all the picks of the week from all of our episodes. Um, and then our show notes has all the other articles, the ghost in the MP3, the Ticketmaster ticket that requires a membership. Uh, I'll get an ID fest link in there somewhere. Um, and, and all that as uh, definitely check all that out. And, uh, while you're on our website, if you haven't already, you should subscribe to our show. You can use the iTunes button or an RSS button, or what I find easier is just to search for sunrise robot or bits and pieces inside your favorite podcast app. I like to use Overcast.fm, use uh, Pocket Casts, or uh, what's the one you use? Podcast Addict, still rocking that one. Podcast Addict. And all of those have search engines, so you don't even have to grab an RSS, usually separately, if you just want to find our show. Um, Me and Matt love feedback, and we're both on Twitter. I'm at PseudoMichael, S-U-D-O Michael, and Matt, your Twitter name? At Echolox, E-C-H-O-L-O-X. So definitely if you have song suggestions or topic suggestions, hit us up on Twitter. If you want to support the show very directly, well, we're part of the Sunrise Robot Network, and the network has a Patreon. And uh, if you go to patreon.com slash sunrise robot, you can pledge dollars to our network. And depending on the level you pledge, you might get your name mentioned at the end of every podcast episode. So with that, special thanks to our top super sponsors, Benji Robinson, Carolyn Kraut, and Joan Edwards. We'll see you next time. 